Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi everyone, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on where you are. Welcome to day four afternoon sessions of African Family Business Research Conference. This afternoon we're joined by Dr. Peter Mutua, who will be presenting on polygamy in the African family business, boon, bane or bust. So welcome Dr. Peter, um, we're excited to have you today and over to you with your presentation. Oh my goodness, I was, I was muted all that time. <laughs> I am so sorry, these things happen. We can hear you now. <laughs> I am delighted, delighted to be here with you today. I am honored. And I was very excited when I was told to make this presentation about polygamy for the reason that it is something that affects me personally. And it is something that I have, was the foundation upon, one of the foundations upon which I began my studies, my doctoral studies. It was interesting. I did my doctoral studies at the African International University. I currently teach at the International Leadership University. I teach the areas of public speaking and communication and critical thinking. And I'm a passionate supporter of the Association for African Family Businesses. So I mentioned I had my own interaction with polygamy. What happened is that in our case, it wasn't outer polygamy. It's the sense that my father had a mistress and that mistress had children. And that became a bone of contention when my father passed away and he left without having articulated what it is that he wanted done with that part of the family. Naturally, and as I've seen repeatedly, because I consult in family businesses, that became a point of tension within the family. And it dominated our discussions. It dominated my thinking about family businesses for a very long time until I began to do my doctoral studies. So it informed the doctoral studies. And when I got into my studies, my assumption had been that one, the cause of tension, the cause of family businesses succession not working in Africa is contributed greatly by, by, by polygamy and that it is a bad thing and that it should not be done. And I wanted to correct it and find out how, do we, how is it that we eliminate this issue from the African setting and we become more like Asians or Europeans who don't seem to have these problems. So it became a point of personal interest. And this was questioned by one of my supervisors. Remember, Professor Nkewa asking, you can't do, you can't conduct doctoral studies to solve your personal problem, which is true, yes. But I want also to say, for those of you who may be undertaking doctoral studies or master's studies, it is important for you to be passionate about the subject matter into which you want to investigate. And what I have found is that because you're invested in the outcomes, you're invested in what, what you're going to get out of it, you're much more driven. And these results don't tend to be antiseptic, but you also, because you're, you're, there's academic rigor in the process, it demands that you change your mind where your mind needs to be changed because data can sometimes communicate something different. So this is what happened for me, because when you begin to invest into, investigate into polygamy, you discover that it is true that Africa has predominantly a lot of polygamous families, as it were, and I, I mean a lot in terms of quantitatively compared to other communities, but not a lot in terms of the, the numbers, because I'll, I'll make an argument a little bit later why polygamy is a declining state of marriage. But the other thing that I discovered is, yes, it is true that we have one type of polygamy, which is the consecutive polygamy where you have all the wives at the same time. 
Other communities have sequential polygamy where you have wives one after the other, after the other. So you marry one person, divorce, marry another person, divorce, marry another person, divorce. And these kinds of marriages tend to have the same kinds of outcomes as the consecutive polygamy that I felt so passionately against. So this consecutive polygamy is how polygamy tends to manifest itself in Africa rather than the sequential. And the sequential is difficult in Africa because of the difficulties associated with getting divorces. In fact, when you look at a country like Kenya, you it's, it's only until very recently, maybe the last past two or, two or three years, that you could go to the court and argue that you have irreconcilable differences and therefore you're asking for divorce because the court would rule that if you have agreed that you have irreconcilable differences, then it means that if you've agreed on that one thing, then you can agree on other things. So go back and work out your problems. So it, it was prevalent in terms of polygamy in the old setting. And you remember that my father, if he were alive today, would be in almost his 90s now. He'd be 90 the next year, so he'd be 89 now. So there's a certain cadre of individuals for whom polygamy was an option and a normal state. And that cadre were the people who were born prior to our independence. And as a result, were brought up in African customary religions or a setting, came to Christianity as adults, and then reverted back again to the natural settings of the African customs from which they came. So they had no problem with mixing the values from both systems. So the reasons why polygamy was so permanent, first of all, was just infertility, that you have situations where the, the parents, the, two, the, the, the couple can't have children. And to not have children in an African setting was considered a very bad state to be in. And normally, if you couldn't get your, your children with one particular wife, she would recruit someone else for you to have children with. Then you also had the issue about disparity of men, numbers between men and women. It's very interesting when I look at the kinds of things we do as men, especially in my younger days, then that number can be explained because some of the risks we take can be surprising, to say the least. And I have witnessed myself some of the things that we do which invite death, as it were. So there's just a disparity between the numbers. But then <clears throat> there was also the, the sign that having many children was a sign of wealth. And the more children you had, the more you were able to create and generate wealth. And that mindset dominated a lot of individuals. And I remember those, those settings where... The more children people were able to have, the more it is that they were able to conquer more land. Because at that time, like let's say for us just after independence, land was just available. We hadn't registered land. So you, if you had many more children, you just go and take over many more parcels of land and be able to acquire wealth a lot faster than people who had their children. And then the children also acted as some sort of security. age. Then you have this the strength in numbers so, because there are, there are opportunities within polygamy. And because polygamy, when you look at it now from that particular setting, it's not entirely a negative. And this is something that I had to confront. And I confronted it through the studies of someone called John S. Beatty. For those of you who might not know him, John S. Beatty was one of the authorities in the, 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 the bringing together the analysis of African culture in, the, in light of the Christian faith. And as a result, he's one who made those arguments to me that convinced me that polygamy was not necessarily itself bad. In fact, what he said is that polygamy, the problems that polygamous families had were not on account of the polygamy setting itself, but more often than not were on account of just the evil nature that people had. So those things about jealousy, about hatred, were, are prominent with people, whether you're in a single 
uh, one one man, one woman, one marriage or in a polygamous marriage, it doesn't matter. If those tendencies tend to come up, they will have challenges. So from there, then you have that's the first one, the first benefit of polygamy. Because again, this is the thing about being scholarly. You have to look at everything. And I, I found it very interesting. There's one scholar who I admire very much called Dr. David Day prominent in Kenya, and he's able to make arguments from any side of uh, any particular issue that you're giving. So one of the things I like about being in academia is that you can be very dexterous. You can be, you can easily look at situations in depth from whichever side you're looking for at them and have compelling arguments for either way. So the first opportunity in polygamy is just a strength in numbers. You have many more people, many more societal connections because again, polygamy Polygamous marriage was strategic. It wasn't just about beauty. It wasn't about romance. It was about forming alliances with other people. So it'd be strategic in terms of where you got your wife from, where how the strengths complemented each other, and then bringing all those strengths together. The second is something that we're discovering now more and more, that there is strength in diversity, that the more kinds of different people you put into a setting, the more competitive that particular environment is because you bring people with different mindsets, different views, different attitudes towards life. And those tend to build into family businesses. And then the third one, I think for me, is that you develop very advanced leadership skills. I can testify that over the last 30 years that we've had to deal with this polygamy, setting marriage, the consequences of polygamy, I have had to develop very, very keen leadership skills. It takes a long time to get people to go in one direction in that setting. But eventually, then you become more adept at it. And when you become more adept, and these skills are transferable to other arenas of your life. So what are the challenges that are specific to polygamous settings? The first one is just unproductive rivalry, where you have rivalry for its own sake. Oh, you bought this wife, this kind of car, you didn't buy me this kind of car. If you buy the same kinds of cars, they were not the same color. They were the same color, they were not the same registration number. You get into all sorts of issues. And it, it, it is unending. Because there'll always be disparities, there'll always be differences in what people get and what people have access to. But the second is what research has shown that there's implied academic achievement, especially when you consider the children of the wives who are born earlier, because the attention now moves on to the wives who have come in a little bit later, and that presents a challenge, which is specific to polygamy. And then polygamy is inconsistent with the realities that we have right now, that we're in a setting where economic times are hard. There's not as much land, there's not as much resources. Polygamy is unrealistic. And those who have tried it in this particular setting, and I remember one particular peer of mine who tried it, quite ended in disaster because there's only so much that can go around within a family setting. Especially with the succession process. And I've argued, yes, it is true, not all the problems that arise from polygamy, from the family business succession arise because of polygamy. You have... The issue about multiple cultural complications where the wives come from different areas and have come in with their cultures, with their expectations, with their, with their, with their selves into this situation. And you find that resolving those challenges becomes difficult because you, you, you can imagine even the negotiation of bride price itself among the different communities is already problematic. You can imagine the distribution of property when all those cultures are mixed. The second is a lack of business continuity plans. The challenge here is because what you find is that because there was always space, you know, in, in Kenya we have, we have, you call them taxis in South Africa, we call them matatus. There's always space for one more. So you, once you've opened the door to polygamy, it won't close. You will continuously 
have the space for one more. So there's always the threat of someone coming in. So you don't want to make succession plans because if you do, and then you also want to accommodate someone else moving on, then it becomes difficult. And you find that a lot of polygamous families tend to leave that open-ended. But this, you guys are just going to have to deal with this story. When I drop that, that becomes your problem. Then the other one is this. The same way we said that they strengthen numbers. Then here numbers becomes a challenge because... A business can only support so many individuals. And you, know, you have people growing up and coming into a setting where they expect that this business is going to cater for them. And they are increasing numbers where the business growth, where the business drivers are limited. Then you have a problem because then a point reaches and there's just too many mouths to feed and it is no longer turn up for that situation to continue. There are also spiritual implications. And that's the approach from which I took. And you realize that my doctoral degree is a doctor in ministry because I needed to look at the spiritual element. And the first one is the, is the continuous argument people keep making, that because Solomon, because David, because Abraham had many wives, then I too can have many wives and make it work. And we need to understand that there's a difference between scripture when it is descriptive and it is prescriptive. Descriptive just tells you what happened and you realize when you look at polygamous stories, none of them had a particularly good outcome. And then there's prescriptive what you should actually do. And there's no situation in which polygamy is actually recommended even in scripture. Then there's a danger about just being non-accepted, the rejection of polygamous families in religious gatherings. And I've seen that kind of stigmatization, especially coming to number three, where you're the other woman, the other family, and it can be very painful to bear and it can, yield, it can lead to a lot of bitterness. So the future of polygamy, I have said the population dynamics will not allow it. It will fizzle out. Only very brave individuals are going to try it out for themselves. And as, as I say, sometimes it's like, it's like alcohol. The, the punishment is contained within the, the act itself. Saying Kiswahili, the president who said, that the punishment of some deeds is within the deed itself. It doesn't wait. It begins as soon as you imbibe it. So as soon as you start with polygamy, off you go down the, the downhill. It goes slowly downhill from there. The second one is because now we are tending to accept single women, single mothers as full, complete members. You realize that polygamy came to allow women to have a place to intersect in a very male-dominated, a very paternalistic society. So now we are accepting women in their own right, with their own families as members of society. So it will tend to die down. And then there's just the increasing liberal attitude towards marriage itself. Because beginning to accept just casual unions of unstated types where people just come together. And that will take the place of polygamy. So polygamy will become, in my view, increasingly relevant. I found a few interesting studies about here. Some of them from Nigeria, some of them from Kenya. We tend to have very similar cultural settings with Nigeria because I found a lot of correlations which you not have seen in Kenya, you not have seen in Nigeria. I'd recommend some of these writings. I would recommend John S. Mbiti's books for any of you who would like to take this further, especially the investigation about polygamy from a spiritual perspective. And not just polygamy, but African cultures, cultural practices in light of Christianity, in light of other religions. I am honored to have made this presentation. I, I am I'm delighted and I hand the meeting back and look forward to the questions that will arise from this presentation. Back to you. Thank you so much, Dr. Peter. That was so, so, so insightful. Um, very much needed conversation to be had to unpack as polygamy is so prevalent um, on the continent. Um, Elmarie, you may go ahead and ask your question. 
Um, I had a question, um, and if anyone else has a question, please um, put them in the chat box whilst uh, Marie sorts out her sound issue. You mentioned that um, there's a distinction between um, concurrent polygamy and sequential polygamy. So in terms of the impact of that on family enterprises and the planning process, are there any distinctions, any contrasts or comparisons, commonalities and contrasts in the way one would go about in planning, um, starting the succession planning process, if um, comparing, con sorry, concurrent versus sequential, yeah. <laughs> yes, consecutive, and yes, concurrent and, and sequential. Yes, there are, and the commonality is the children. Because at the end of the day, they're not your cause. We, we, they, it, like I mentioned, the whole purpose of polygamy, very often from an African setting, is the having of the children. So the interests of the children are the ones that will dominate. So that's a commonality, that you're looking at the children themselves. The differences are the state in which the various children are. And this, this is very interesting. What you'll find is that the, the, in many settings, the different marriages are going to have different economic out, outcomes, where... Some were, were, were prosperous, others contributed. By, I mean, some, some maybe the woman was were more aggressive in terms of the business, so establish a business more, so that you, you have different, out, different economic outcomes from the same individual moving around. So well, one of the things I found, which, which I'm still studying and finding out, because it came as a surprise to me, is the people who, who marry and then keep on engaging with their spouses within the family business itself in terms of the separation of roles and responsibilities because they recognize the talents and abilities that they have. I'm still investigating the state of that relationship, the, the, the realisticness of it, because sometimes I'm not convinced that this relationship is going as well as people are saying. I need to go and investigate a little bit more about that. So it would be that. The similarities would be the children. The main differences would be how each particular marriage contributed to the economic outcome of the family too. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely an area we need to look more at in detail. Um, yeah, because again, as you said... Mm, sorry. sorry go, recognize no, you go that, ahead. Like said, these instances are going to get less and less uh, prominent. You're going, we're going to see less and less and less polygamy. Where you see it, and I see it a lot in the rural areas, then the people are not particularly successful with regard to family business in terms successful in terms of when you look at the, the, the drive, when you look at family businesses themselves from a business perspective, then they are not the kinds of businesses that you want to emulate. A lot of the, the polygamy that happens, especially in my rural area where I come from, is the polygamy of poverty, where mm -hmm. it's, it's just out of desperation that people come together. There, there's no economic output out of this, and the desperation just increases from one generation to the next. So, sorry, just picking up on that comment you just made. So, you're saying that the polygamy is an outcome of the poverty, not the polygamy is a cause of the poverty. Yes, and, and this is a situation where you find that because I am poor and I can't support my daughter after school, then I want to encourage her to marry anyone. Now, who do I look for? Anybody who is around the area who looks like they have their act together is a potential spouse for my daughter. And when you inject her into that particular situation and the resources are limited, then the outcome is not necessarily more prosperous for them. The situation just gets a little bit more desperate because more people are depending on the same amount of resources to survive. Great. Um, and Elmarie's question is, do you find a difference with different generations with respect to polygamy? Say that again? A difference with the different generations regarding polygamy? Yeah, I'm guessing <laughs> maybe their attitudes... Uh, um, yeah, towards polygamy. Imagine, trends. 
I'm speaking <laughs> in a different cultural setting. Speaking about my own peers, we have aspirational polygamy where we <laughs> polygamy is seen as <laughs> an achievement of one's goals that you you have set a goal where <laughs> if I'm truly successful, then I'll be able to have many hopes. And I see it with a lot of politicians where the, the polygamy is to, as a mark of status that I have many wives who I can go around. And there are many prominent ones who behave like that. So if among my group, it would be like that as polygamy as a status symbol. The previous group, which was my father's group, the polygamy was a, a, a tool to produce more children. And the children who are coming after us don't value relationships as much. That, that is a challenge we're going to have. So they'll have many concurrent relationships which are not formalized. Because here, remember, we're talking about polygamy as being formally married, formally in a relationship that is recognized in law. So that's the challenge we're going to have. That we're, Ours is aspirational. It doesn't even matter how many children you have. As long as a girl is beautiful, so you have trophy wives and she insists that you get married so that she can have that title. And then the others who are coming after us who are our children, then theirs will be more of convenient relationships moving from one to the next without formalizing. Mm. Um, we have another question. Would you say that sequential polygamy is a global phenomenon that may need more research and investigation? Yes, it is. And you see, it's not defined as such. And this is a challenge you have because in the Western setting, you, you only talk about divorce and remarriage. We never talk about how, where, where these people fit into that person's timeline. And it's in, and again, and you also now you have polyandry in the sense that you have the women who went on and married other men. So it's, it's a whole mixture. And this needs to be investigated because it has an impact. It has an impact on outcomes within the family businesses. It has an impact on the children. It has an impact on society as it becomes more and more prevalent because we're going to see more and more and more of those situations where they're just a series of complicated relationships. So yes, it is. I would, I would investigate it from a family business perspective. I'm glad you brought up polyandry because I was going to pick up on that and say we, when we're thinking of um, polygamy, we typically think of um, male with multiple wives, whether sequential, but we don't think about females with multiple husbands, but um, whilst polyandry is not as popular and prevalent as polygamy, it is, it does exist. And um, there are families with wives with multiple husbands, sequential, sequential or concurrent, as you say. Um, so there's very much need for us to um, do more research in this space and investigate further. Oh, yes. And during my research, I did find out that there are polyandrous situations and a lot of them are to do with the conservation of wealth from a family business mm. perspective, where you have brothers who don't want to dilute their inheritance. So by what they do is agree to come and marry one wife so that those children are the ones. So if you have five brothers, then those five brothers marry that one wife so that if she gets children, then those children get everything that belongs to these brothers. And yeah. that continues, that heritage. So that's a, a family business strategy that works in some communities. And it's, it's interesting. And even in Kenya, we do have situations like those where men are willing to share a wife because she's prosperous and she, she has a lot of wealth and they come to that agreement. I remember the police intervening. It was a case in Mombasa where I don't know who reported them to the police. <laughs> we think the police can solve everything. So this became a police case and it got into the news that there are these men, two of them who have agreed to live with one woman. So it was, it was humorous from one end, but again, you understand the situation the way it is, that they, they've decided that this is this is our wealth creation strategy and this is how we're going to approach it. And that was how they're going to live their lives. And 
well, good for them. Wow. I, I think we need, we need to actually have a case study and understand this further, share these stories on the platform um, to learn. And, and because, like we said, um, polyamorous relationships are very prevalent all over the world. And it's important that as advisors and as families, we know how to navigate this. Thank you so much, Dr. Peter. This has been absolutely fascinating, really insightful. I've learned so much from you. Um, if anyone would like to reach out to you, how best can they reach you? Oh, email address. I'll put my email down here. I would be glad to give my phone number. For... That, that's my phone number for, that works for WhatsApp. So there you okay. go. I'd be glad to be in touch. It's an area I think has that has a lot of information that we can share. It's something that we need to have a look at and a good understanding of because it has economic outcomes. And I'm saying this because if my dad had not passed on then, his peers are dying now. And this mm. will have very significant impact on Kenya's greatest wealth transfer because that generation is dying and they were extremely wealthy. So mm-hmm. polygamy is going to play a huge role in the next 10 years with regard to the transfer of wealth in this republic. And the better we understand it, because it's good, it's an Africa-wide phenomenon, yeah. then the more is now interest to understand it so that it doesn't become an albatross around our necks. Thank you so much. Um, we'd invite everyone to join us in our next session in three minutes. So um, thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. <laughs>